That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no. You, you are. defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Joker Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. I am JC Alon with our guy, Nestlemania. I'm ready to do this. I, this week was really odd. I, I don't know how you feel about this week. Yeah, so this week it was, um, hmm, I, I didn't actually, I, I, for the most part, I didn't hate Raw. Um, I thought it was better than recent weeks, but I do want to start on SmackDown because um, I do think SmackDown overall is complete dog shit but there was there is one trend of you know a couple individuals that really stand out and fortunately they're a major part of that show and um that has to do with otis mandy sonia everything involved in this this week i enjoyed we started off with the Miz tv with Miz and morrison picking on otis they're showing his childhood pictures um otis was thrusting a lot because that's kind of what he does um, backstage, he's looking for a tag team partner, Mandy, uh, always in the shine, telling Otis that she uh, he should recruit the Universal Champion Braun Strowman, um, which he tries to do, and then obviously eventually Strowman is his pa- partner, and they do win. But watching that, I was just looking, I was like, you know what? Otis is like the perfect compliment to Braun because like. You know, Braun's kind of goofy in his own right, but he's supposed to be this big monster, but, like, we're supposed to love him. But Otis is the true, like, comedy goof. So with Braun next to him, it kind of forces us to take Braun more seriously. And, man, I enjoyed this. I mean, look, uh, there are parts of it that I enjoyed thoroughly. There are parts that I thought could have been better. Um, first things first, the Miz TV was good. Um, and I enjoyed that they were giving a backstory to Otis. I thought that was a, a nice touch. I thought that... They went up, you know, WWE always goes for that, you know, that jugular of, you know, I have this crazy backstory, whether, you know, Lacey Evans is a Marine or, you know, Otis has a learning disability and overcame all those things and loved his mom and all other stuff. Like that, that's nice. And uh, he, he has no shame in anything that he is and he is who he is. So that was like a nice little, you know, thing. I appreciated that they, you know, kind of webbed and weaved or whatever, Bob, you want to say, uh, throughout the night trying to find a, an opponent. Seamus said no, which was, you know, true to Seamus's form. Um, you know, Mandy planting the seeds to kind of telling bossing Otis around without him really noticing is there. It, you know, it could be a red herring, but who knows? Um, and then, of course, you know, Miz and Morrison joking around the whole time about it. And that's good, you know. And then we get to the, the main event, and it's like, okay, like, it was what it was. I appreciated the tease at the end. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, you know, it, it's odd to me because you figure – they made such a big deal about maybe him tagging or uh, cashing in on tagging or the tag team titles. And it's also odd. Don't you think, uh, you know, that Tucker's just mysteriously not there, even though he's technically on the roster and his guys like on every show. Yeah. I, th- I think that has something to do with travel from what I have uh, seen on your favorite places on the internet. Um, but 
Um, I would assume at some point he's going to come back, but the way they're doing this, they really, this could have been part of the reason of maybe why they went in this direction, knowing that Tucker's availability wasn't going to be complete. And who knows? He still could easily cash in on that uh, for the tag team titles. But I do like that they're at least teasing us with this. And I think it also, it gives something extra to Braun right now because we don't have like a definitive direction. I do have a definitive direction for these folks uh, that I'll lay out in my hope, but I just I'm enjoying I enjoyed it for this week. I'm curious to see how they continue to do it because we knew there was going to be a challenge with Otis doing the briefcase. But I think if they continue to find ways to use it like they did this week, I think it'll be very good. I mean, I'll be interested to see if Braun eventually gets knocked down, and they you know he has that contemplative moment where he's like, "Do I or don't I? Do I or don't I?" And he starts like whipping that big head of his around and like <laughs> trying to figure out should I eat a cheeseburger or should I cash in? You know, like one of those things like. That would be a good little segment, I think, as well. I think as long as they don't – I think they need to – you know, obviously you need to call attention to it now because it's so fresh and so new. But if he's going to hold on to it for a while, I'd like for it to kind of, you know – be like I think the most effective cash-ins are the ones that we forget about until they actually happen. So I'm hoping that it's not shoved down our throats every week. Like I hope there's another layer to, you know, Miz and Morrison doing something separately versus, you know, Otis and Mandy taking on Sonya and, you know, all that stuff. Like, I hope all that stuff makes sense, but we don't have to worry about the Braun thing if he does, in fact, try to cash in on Braun right away. I'd, I'd like to see a little bit of a space kind of thing here. Yeah, and well, you mentioned it there. They did book for next week a mixed tag match of Otis and Mandy versus Sonya and Dolph. And uh, I do want to say that uh, Sonya's promo on SmackDown was super hot fire. She continues to crush <laughs> it on the mic. Like, this feud, like, this rivalry, like, this is the true, legit rivalry between these two uh, former best friends. And uh, I'm eating it all up, man. Could possibly be the uh, rivalry for uh, the Golden Knocker, I think. Oh, it's, it's been noted in, the, uh, in my notes section. Don't you worry about that. Okay. But the thing is, is I appreciated the most thing is that, that, that uh, Sonia said, you know, you're only good at being one thing, blonde and pretty. And that made me go, you know what? <laughs> She's right. She's right. I am Team Sonia. Like, you know, all she does is running me. And Sonia is so much more than that. So I'm on Team Sonia. I want to see Sonia and Dolph win. And, uh... I think uh, next week it's probably not going to come to fruition because, you know, Otis can't lose. But, you know, it'd be great to see it happen. See, but what you said there, Otis can't lose, but Mandy can. Right. And as we've seen in this feud, um, I would guess Sonya is going to keep getting the edge until maybe the, eventually the payoff is that Mandy gets her comeuppance. But I would think that Mandy can lose, but Otis cannot next week. I don't know. There's a lot of things to happen in that matchup. We'll see what happens. Maybe we won't even – we'll get a DQ. Because it'll fucking, you know, they love DQs. They could always uh, rerun it at Backlash, so uh, we'll see. But uh, do you have anything else on the old SmackDown? I got to tell you, there was a lot of stuff on SmackDown that really just did not interest me. And it really bothered me. It really, like the whole day, like I was watching it on Saturday morning going, really? You know, I will say the only thing other than than what we talked about is uh, he's no longer with us. Drew Gulak versus Daniel Bryan for the love of wrestling. That was amazing. Other than that, I don't think there's anything on SmackDown even worth talking about in the shine because those two guys, they went at it, they chain wrestled, amazing, and then I guess it felt like it was either Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, we got out that Drew Gulak is no longer, his contract ran out or something. Yep. And it's just, it seems to me like, and I, we don't we don't talk about this enough, and I, I, mean, I, I mean, maybe we do, maybe I don't, because I gush over the Daniel Bryan stuff and get super wrestle boned up for it, but I, I mean... You kind of lose watching the WWE. You lose the appreciation for the people who can actually wrestle. Because there are people on this, the, the roster that can entertain. And then there are people who actually can wrestle. Some people that can do both. But 
these guys went out there and did something amazing. They did, they, they did moves and reversals and rolls that I haven't seen ever. And seeing that the fluidity and not breaking a hold and all that stuff, like, I just think it's special to do every once in a while because it reminds everybody that we're also watching a sport, not just entertainment every once in a while. So it was a nice breakup. I know we always want the variety act. I know we always want something fun to watch and giggle and have a good time. But this was nice to be like, this was, this is what wrestling can be if done correctly. That's all. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like Gulak is, I think he's the epitome of one of those guys you don't truly appreciate until he's gone. Um, because he was so good in the ring. He was such a steady hand. Like, I mean, for people who didn't watch it, I didn't watch a lot of it either, but when I did, like, he was a centerpiece of 205 Live because he could go out there with anyone and really put on a show, whether he was elevating people or in title matches for his own. Like, he's he's just incredible in the ring, and uh, he did have a decent character towards the end, but it wasn't always there, and there's obviously a lot of those guys that, you know, go unnoticed, but uh, certainly I think he will be missing that capacity, um, so it'll be interesting to see what his future holds, but uh, I think we should jump over to Raw now because I agree, SmackDown I thought was the poopy pants. Uh, what was your favorite part from Raw in WrestleMania? Are you sitting down? Uh huh. My favorite part of Raw was the Viking Raiders yes! Street Profits. I'm so happy. You, I literally like. I want. I was gonna bring this up on my own right now, but I'm like, God, he might just stay on this hard fast thing. But I was like, there's a chance. There's a chance that Nestle could like this. So I want to hear it. Give it to me. I. I, he, and I think this is this to me. This is why I think it was effective this time around. I am. I know TJ and Ray Ray and all these other guys are going to shit on me anyway, but it doesn't really matter. I, I beat to my own drum. But I will say what I liked about this the second time around was it was in segments. It wasn't some big giant thing. It gave me little crumbs throughout the breaks and the night. It was fed through, you know, all day long throughout the three-hour process. And I think that was different. Like, they kind of did it last week, but they gave you that giant segment. They gave us two big parts, I think, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was hard for me to digest. It just made me, like, little bits of it are fine and made me go, you know what, this isn't as bad as that. Like, I overreacted because I went and I saw it and I went, okay. Like, the thing that had me giggling the most was the fact that, you know, they kept missing the, the axe, of course. But it was it was the part at the end where, you know, like, the officer came in and said, you know, Ivar's cute. I was like, okay, that, because I was so mad. I'm like, if they don't make a comment about being arrested and just leave it as that, I'm going to be so fucking angry. But thank God they came back and did the whole, you're cute thing, I'm going to let you slide. Because otherwise I would have probably hated it in terms of, like, continuity versions. But it, it definitely, like, and there was... I'm, this is the thing that I think also that I, I would draw a comparison to about the Street Profits specifically. Watching Dawkins and Montez Ford do this outside, do this differently, and be different about it, had I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was their overacting when they were eating up all the scenery, but there was a very fresh Prince of Bel-Air sitcom-y feel about how bad they were doing, and I enjoyed it. It was very odd. I don't know. I can't really explain it. It was just... I think, it, like I said, it was crumbs. It wasn't a, It wasn't two, you know, giant segments. It was little things here and there. But the one thing that I will say that is, is odd to me, and it's kind of like, they're like, you know, they, they made they made a good effort here. They made the Vikings look great because the Vikings look good. And, you know, and not, they didn't come out looking bad at all. And then, you know, they made, they, they were like almost cavemen. They're like, you wanted smoke? We have smoke. I love that. You know, like, I literally lost it. That was great. Yeah, like, they, they're just dummies. Like, the whole night, they're just fucking dummies. 
which is great. Like, that's fine. They're cavemen. They're like, whatever. And, you know, they, they miss the fucking axes and Dawkins. But here's the thing at the end that I'm just confused about. And again, it might just be me and I might need some explaining to, to me because that maybe it just was lost on me. And sometimes, you know, it, it always misses some part of the audience. So maybe it's just me. But the fact that they, like, they came together at the end and, like, had each other's backs sort of for the cops was like, so are they rivals? Are they, like, just, like, nudge, nudge, we're, like, just all buddies, but we want to be the best? Or, like, they did, They left it kind of odd, and then at the end, like, Dawkins just, like, threw it backwards and nailed it, which, to me, didn't really make any sense based on what was going on the rest of the day. Like, I know it's basically what happened last week, but I just think it didn't it didn't ring as true as, as the week prior. So that was just, again, for me, if I could nitpick a little, that's what I would take away from it. So the, the way that I've looked at this rivalry from the beginning is that, like, these two teams, like, they don't hate each other. It actually is, like, competitive, friendly rivalry. And from the Street Profits' perspective, even though they're the champs, like, They've never beaten this team in that everything. That's why they wanted to do the basketball so they could beat them at something. And this week they agreed to play their game. But it was always kind of like these guys, it's never really been bad blood. It's more of been like, you know, just like competitive jealousy or whatever. Um, that's the way at least I've always perceived it. So that part didn't bother me. Dawkins hitting the perfect shot at the end, I think, was just more of like the hokey thing. But I will say what I really like. I loved like the little things about it, this segment, too, because you mentioned the Street Profits. I think in these types of environments, they shine because, like you said, they eat up the scenery. But for me, like the thing that I really focused on is how charismatic the Vikings came off just by being goofs. And it wasn't like the like, I'm not taking you serious goof. It was like these guys are like fun loving dudes goof like. I mean, I legitimately, we were talking about this in our thread. Like, I watch a lot of Viking shows. Like, all any Viking show that exists, I've probably seen it. And, like, a lot of, and so the, like, this scene, like, whoever, like, produced this scene clearly paid attention to, like, some of the stuff that goes on in those shows because, like, it kind of matched up with just, like, the chumminess and the happiness, but the rivalry and the competitiveness. Like, to me, it just was kind of like, okay, like, I think it made it a little less, like, hokey for me because I was like, they definitely put a lot of thought into it, and I thought everyone on screen did a great job with it. I even, like, the, the one line that everyone loved, and I loved too, was Dawkins going, I see you, horse. I see you. And was that Sarah Logan? I saw some people saying that was Sarah Logan. Was that actually her? I don't think so. I don't think so either, but some, I know our boy Ray Ray, maybe he can answer it because I know he loves her. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought this was a home run, and I think the, I think you hit on it right off the bat saying that having it spread out throughout the night I think also helped Raw a lot too because this was probably the Raw I fast-forwarded the least. I actually fell asleep before I could finish because I was so tired. But I finished this morning and I was excited to. But I think it was because with this like sprinkled in throughout, it kind of broke up the monotony of the empty arena wrestling. So I hope that going forward, like if they're going to continue to do more stuff like this, which I'm for, is do it in this kind of mold with like five or six segments. Mm. Mm. I got it. Yeah. Um, so I will, the next part of the shine that I will bring us to, um, for the second week in a row, I enjoyed a Seth Rollins thing. I enjoyed a Seth Rollins promo again. I don't know what's going on, but it's something about like, he might've finally found something that I think doesn't suck. Um, it was it the greatest thing in the world. No, but I thought it was effective. It was more of like what I was looking for. I'm like, okay, he had the performance of his life in my eyes last week. Like, can he follow it up? And I think overall he did. And uh, the part I actually like kind of like jumped out of my 
seat like laughing was shimmy shimmy yeah interrupted him and then talked like that caught me completely off guard obviously we then get a random impromptu match uh, that Murphy wins even though he was supposed to fight again and then Alistair Black comes out schmaz 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 but um uh, this set this development with Seth Rollins it still has me we'll see as this continues if they oversaturate him I thought this week I thought it wasn't too much I think it was good that he didn't really wrestle I think it was a different look for him and then obviously we uh transitioned into uh him recruiting a new member of his uh messiah crew so i want them to go like full holy man like he should wear like a long robe you know like have if it's not white maybe black whatever like the black hand of Raz, what they're calling him i don't know like i kind of want to see them go all of the way like i know that people are very touchy and go when it comes to religion and all that stuff but i don't think he's making it very religious in terms of it's just like he's a crackpot you know, like, that's essentially all he is. He's just, like, he's some guy who's just, like, clearly delusional and has some followers now, which is good. And I don't mind it. Like, the promo was decent. I appreciated that he made a comment about Ray and that, you know, you're welcome instead of never apologizing for it. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a different take on it, which, again, he needs. But what they actually need to do here is, is it going to be Ray Mysterio, you know, feuding against Seth Rollins or is Seth Rollins just kind of, like, waiting around for a while? You know, like, I know, like, Backlash is going to have somebody or whatever. I would but... guess Backlash. I would guess it'd be either. I would guess probably Aleister Black, but I'm assuming he'll have a match with Shimmy as well before then. That's and then eventually get to Ray maybe down the line. I just, I, I feel, I, I do feel like he might be doing some of his best character work, but I am nervous in terms of, like, okay, yeah, we give him a lot of shit, but when he's in the ring, he does a good job. So if he doesn't have something to wrestle for, I guess, then the character work has to be that much better. So I'm glad that he, you know, looked like he hit an electrocuted fence last week. And then this week he's got his clean look and he's ready to do his thing. But like I said, I, I, I would prefer him in, like, if they're going to go and, and do location shit for the Vikings and Street Profits, why not bring him to a house of worship? Like, why not have him in the pew? Why not have him, you know, at an altar somewhere? Like, why don't you have him outside with some crackpot on the side of the fucking road who has a sign about, you know, religion? Something like that. Like, that's what you should be doing here with him because if you put him in the ring, it's okay. But, I mean, if he's not wrestling, put him in a, in a, in a spot like that where it makes perfect sense for me to go, you know what, they went out of their way for him. They, you know, and that's a guy they should go out of the way for because they, they, they're trying something weird with him. I don't know why you wouldn't go the extra mile here. And, you know, just I know people feel uncomfortable about religion, but I, I think you can you can toe the line very tastefully, and I think that it would be good. I think it would be fun. It's wrestling; they can get away with whatever they want. Uh, and I think Alistair Black would be a nice little uh, matchup too, because especially they're kind of playing the reverse roles. As Seth Rollins is representing like the White Knight, where Alistair Black is the darker character, but obviously Alistair Black would be the good guy in this scenario. So I actually kind of like that little uh, paradox we got going too. I mean, I'm not going to say anything about Black because I've, I've lost all hope on everybody that was a Nestle guy. So, Well, he did get thrown on. off a building. So, He did. He did. By who did but he get thrown I, off a building? He got thrown off a building by King Corbin, which is actually a good segue. Oh, yeah. Because he, he was kind of threaded out through the night as well. Um, I appreciated that he yelled at a backstage guy about, this is how you treat people on Raw. I don't have my own personal dressing room. I thought that was a little nice touch. The other thing, too, is that they went out of their way to try to make him look important. You know, they made it seem like like, as much as we think this is just, you know, lipstick on a pig with the wild card thing, you know, being a Brandon Brandon invitation thing, and you get four times a year, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in the, in the heat because it's fucking stupid. Yeah. But 
they went out of their way with him, JC. And I think that that's the thing, like, they went out of their way to make him viewed like he's important, even though we kind of, like, already, like, we already fell in love with him, so we already deem him as important. But I don't know if he's important to other people who watch, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think it definitely was a big thing to be like, look, you're like, this is a big deal, this guy coming over and challenging McIntyre. It's a big test for him, and I thought they did a great job hyping it, I, uh, hyping it up. Obviously, me, selfishly, I wanted a feud to come out of this, which... It did, just not for King Corbin, uh, the way they set it up, but it made a lot of sense the way they did it. Is uh, if, if this is how you're going to do a one-off, I think that's how you do it. Like you said, you build it up, and you make me really think, like, wow, this is a big thing. And then it's even more impressive, like, with how McIntyre beat him, showing that, yeah, he is a dominant champion. And, well, you know who else has been dominating on the red brand is Bobby Lashley and uh, his new boy MVP coming out, and boom. Suddenly we have the two strongest push guys meeting for the title at Backlash. So I thought the way they did it made a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is for now. I mean, well, you know, we kind of hope that King Corbin can come back. But, I mean, when they say four times a year, it makes it seem like, you know, is it special? I don't know. If people are really going to stick to that four, probably not. So, well, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, the jury's still out on, on this whole thing. Yeah, no, for sure. And they can obviously go if, oh, no, he's reached us four times. So we're now going to trade him here so he can stay there. So it's they're, they're going to make up rules as they go with everything. But uh, is uh, there should we get into... Um, I don't know if this was a uh, shiner heat for you, but uh, the KO show and then everything that happened because of that. I mean, I, I enjoyed KO very much. Yep. I thought that, uh, you know, it's funny, like, you know, he comes out to a disheveled set because of something that was terrible. Um, but, you know, he comes out, he does his thing. It's, I'm happy to see him. He's possible comeback opportunity. You know, like I was thinking about getting him my comeback because, you know, quite frankly, when KO's on my television, I, I'm, you know, my eyeballs are actually, you know, at full attention yep. uh, for that guy. He's captivating. Um, having, you know, the Vega boys come out, uh, you know, they seem to be on the same page, sort of, kind of, and then, you know, possible comeback opportunity, Apollo Crews comes back, eh, you know, like he comes out, uh, you know, pissing vinegar, fire and ice coming right out of the gate, and <laughs> does, his, does his fucking mean mugging and whatever, and, you know, he does his thing, and... And holla, 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 what do we get? A tag team match, player. <laughs> so, you know, it's like... Uh, I kind of saw that kind of and saw that, you know, like it was Cian and Garza, which was nice and, you know, Theory tries to help. And then, you know, it helps Apollo Crews get a big victory on, I think it was Garza, not Cian. Yes, so, it was Garza. Who's there to take the pin and eat the pin every single time. But... Then we, I don't know if we want to transfer over to what happened afterwards. With yeah, theory, I, but... think, um, I think the reason why I, I do think this entire thing was shine was not only do you get the two comebacks like you mentioned, but it also like continued stories in two different ways where obviously Apollo comes back. He's going to get his rematch with Andrade next week on Raw. Um, so that's something to look forward to for the U.S. title. Um, that made a lot of sense. And then obviously you talk about Austin Theory. They beat him up. And he kind of was the same way with Murphy where he was just laying on the outside and Seth recruited him by staring at him. And there you go. Now Seth suddenly uh, has filled out his stable again. I will say it's odd to me because I feel like the – I don't want to see a six-man tag here at all. Well, actually we can't because CN and then guards don't have a third. Maybe they'll replace him. But I, I feel like Buddy and uh, Theory will probably take on CN then uh, – you know, Garza at some point, just because it's, it seems like, I don't know, you can't really do heel on heel, but I feel like in this particular case, you might be able to get away with it for a one-off. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I think, honestly, the, I think they might stay away from it from now because the Seth squad is so entrenched with uh, Alistair and Shimmy and Mysterio that I, I think that's your six-man tag uh, whenever Mysterio comes back, but I... 
I, you know, they could obviously mix it. I just don't think it would be right away. I don't know if they see face turns for some of these guys in the future, but I just, I don't know if that's really imminent. So I think they might just stay away from it. Maybe they do a backstage thing, but I don't know if we'll get an actual match. I mean, I was so excited when I was like, oh, look who called the the, the fucking Austin Theory turn. And then hold on to your fucking popcorn, kids. Next pop, I was like, never mind. Just <laughs> fucking kidding. Yep. Didn't call it. Uh, but that was a nice surprise. It was a monkey wrench kind of thing. I did not expect it to happen. So you know what? Like, kudos to them on writing some compelling television for once. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, do you have any other shine from either shows? Because uh, I might be tapped out. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh... I think I'm pretty much good. I'm ready to go into the, the deep dark. All right, get him off my TV, Nestle. This is your time to shine. Give me what's what get was, him off my television. What Where got you hot this week? All right, first off, this is something that I did not expect to put in my heat when it was uh, advertised last week, but it is definitely the top tippity top 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 heat for Nestle Mania. Edge and Orton, greatest wrestling <laughs> match ever. Greatest wrestling match. Ever. It's like, okay, I would have been hyped for this. I would have been excited. But you overhyped and underdelivered at WrestleMania, you fucking chooches. You just sat there and you fucking jerked off for 35 minutes on top of a goddamn truck. Like, that was whatever. And then you come back, you have a decent promo net the week prior, and you, you have me. You have me again. The promo is perfect last week. Except for week Charlie. Ever- except for that Charlie line where she yes. literally except said this. Yeah. Yes. But that was her. That was not her fault. That was somebody said it to her. Exactly. And then this week, fucking, you know, Todd Phillips, who has anybody's hand up his ass, will say anything that he's told, (laughs) fucking sits there and says, greatest wrestling match ever again, Polly want a cracker. And that's all it is. He just sits there and parrots the shit out of himself. And they're sitting there and they're talking about, you know, like, Edge had me. Orton had me. And then it gets to the point again where they talk about, yes, I will fight you. Yes, yes, yes. Like, it was more like, it was more meaningful i guess for the moment but then they have that fucking graphic and everybody's fucking coming all over the goddamn place spraying their seed going this is the greatest thing in the world like just fucking say how important it is just say that randy orton is considered the best wrestler you said that but does edge even know how to put on a wrestling hold anymore he probably knows how to fold the chair he probably knows how to hold his children but does he know wrestling holds, folks? That's how you sell the fucking thing. Don't sell it as the greatest match ever because nobody, even those two, cannot live up to that fucking moniker. Yeah, I don't... End the story. I just... I was... You know, because obviously Charlie mentioned that last week at the end and it was just so, like... It caught us all, like, what the fuck? And they really, like, legitimately, like, in the most WWE way possible, leaned into it 100%. And I don't like it because obviously, like you said, like Edge Randy Orton, you told me it was a wrestling match. I might think like, oh, this could have the potential to be a really good match of my own. But with you yelling it in my face, it makes me think that there's something else going on here because I don't know if they're going to use it to try to get even more heat on Randy when something goes awry or what. But like there is I smell something fishy with this because this is just over the top. They can't just go out there and have like a really good match because unless if it's the greatest match ever, it under delivers. So I smell a rat here. Are you going to think it's DQ, like, right out of the gate? I don't know what's going to – I don't know what it is, but there's – I smell a rat here because they're usually, like, even if their stuff sucks, there's usually a reason for why they do it. There's got to be something here because this, like you said, was complete and unnecessarily obnoxious. It felt like a monster truck fucking commercial. Exactly. You know what Sunday, I mean? like, Sunday, 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 Sunday. Yes, exactly. That's exactly how I felt about it. 
So I just, I like you said, maybe you're correct. Maybe there's more to it than this. But I, sometimes the WWE just is the WWE. Maybe they got a full-on chubby for Edge, and they think that like, yes, he's awesome, and yes, he's amazing. But like, and yeah, he's considered the Einstein of wrestling a lot of the times. But I mean. I don't know. I, I I really truly believe they pushed their chips in in the wrong thing here. But again, they might be smarter than us. Maybe they have you know the next three months planned out for these guys. Who knows? Yeah, I yeah. It's uh, that's why I just like I smell something fishy. Um, speaking of other things, uh, the thing that got me hot and bothered this week was uh, you know we talked about how Raw did Corbin so well. Well, he got done real dirty on SmackDown. Uh, he had yet another match against Elias in a, a tournament for the now vacant Intercontinental title, and Elias beat Baron Corbin clean. Um, so I think Elias has now bested Corbin every time they have met. I don't love that. I mean, so in an adjacent feeling, um, Elias is probably going to win the Intercontinental Championship. Oh. Oh. Not that I want it. Not oh. that I want it. There's, there's six people in that thing that should probably have it. Daniel Bryan... Sheamus is fine. I, I don't. I, I, I'll even give you Jeff Hardy, but they were also laying it on very thick for one AJ Styles, and it was you know it's it's fine because I don't mind AJ Styles Intercontinental Championship. That's perfectly fine. It makes everything happy, hunky dory, something for him to do. Yeah, him and Sheamus have back. him and Sheamus have never held it. I think that's the big draw. But they there. never said anything about Sheamus, and Sheamus is the only one. Like Sheamus has everything. Like. I know they treat AJ Styles like Shawn Michaels for, you know, a reason, whatever. That's fine. Like, he deserves everything he gets. But Sheamus has won the Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank, King of the Ring, all the harder stuff to win. He literally just needs the Intercontinental Championship. So the fact that they buried that one made me go, well, he ain't fucking winning. And Jeff Hardy's probably going to beat him. There's going to be Jeff Hardy or, you know, Daniel Bryan or Daniel Bryan Sheamus. There's going to end up being Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles not finished, I would hope. But there's something about an Elias Daniel Bryan thing that I think is going to end up happening here. Or say something weird. I don't know. If they turn Elias heel because of that, fine. But like babyface Elias is a champion. Like nothing will make me 32x faster. I don't disagree. Elias is not for me. Not for me. End of story. It's crazy because he was for all of us as a heel. But like this babyface thing, it just. Oh, especially without a crowd. Like, you talk about a guy, like, you just, you just like, give some months off. Like, give him a paid vacation, man, because without a crowd, this guy is fucking useless. Yeah, he's not just useless. He's wet toilet paper. He's, yeah, like, oh. he is he is awful. Yeah, he ain't stopping nothing. What else you got? Side note. Okay. Side note. This is where I lose my goddamn mind. I missed the, we all actually missed the first five minutes of SmackDown for fucking thunderstorms. So fuck you, Kevin Lemanowitz, or whatever the fuck your name is from Fox 25, yep. talking your goddamn smack. Like, I don't give a shit about thunderstorms. Get yeah. that out of here. It was Saturday morning. That is a Northeast problem. Uh, for those of you that don't live in the Northeast United States, you don't know what uh, Adam's talking about. But for the majority of our audience, who I think is based here, yeah. We all, we literally, I believe SmackDown started with uh, the Miz scolding Otis. And I was like, oh, man, we probably missed some really good stuff. I'm sure there was a package. I'm sure there was an intro. So it probably bought us some time. I mean... We probably missed maybe a minute or two, but still, who the fuck cares? No, I agree. Like, I agree. Just uh, it, it, it aggravated the fuck out of me. It really did. Well, also uh, something that also something that burns me to a you know to a brings my piss to a boil, as they say. Here it comes uh, Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? Like seriously, she comes out and she fucking blows her 
one of four to cut a goddamn promo on Bailey and Sasha to sit there and basically tell Sasha something she already fucking knows. And Bailey comes out and tries to be Bailey, which whatever, it's fine. But what the fuck is this? Then they put her on fucking Raw, where again, she has a decent outing against Ruby, but they might as well have just been like, it wasn't a job alert, so we have to label it a competitive match. But God damn it. I just, there's so much about this. I was just like, she's everywhere. And I know she's fucking good. I know she's great. She's probably the best to ever do it. But give her a fucking break. Like, I don't give a shit on SmackDown. I don't give a shit on Raw. Keep her on my fucking NXT where I don't fucking watch it and let TJ tell me how fucking wonderful she is on the goddamn Jabberknocker.com report. That's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> I will say, when, like, I just, I lost it because it was like, her, the idea of her going to SmackDown when she is a Raw superstar who is the NXT champion is the ultimate fuck you, which, to you, which I thought was hilarious. But I will say, like, the only tiny, and this is, this is tiny because believe me, I am against all of this as well, even though I like Charlotte. The only tiny thing is, I thought she was the perfect foil for this Sasha Bailey tease they were going. It was a, just another way to continue to stick that wedge. I think Charlotte's really good at that. So I think, like, the positive is for that, but it's like, like you said, they had to burn one of her appearances or whatever just to do that. Like, that's tough. And then obviously this week, I believe, her and Charlotte are facing in a champion versus champion match, which literally, that just, like, that's horrible. That's a bad idea. It's never a good idea. And yeah, Ruby Riot, uh, the L's continue to pile up because, you know what? <laughs> Charlotte's going to be on that. She'll probably be on NXT on Wednesday and win there too. It's just, it is absurd that she literally is on all three shows right now. <laughs> and here's here's the part where my, here's, Here's the part where I start to go another fucking octave, right? This is where I blow my goddamn brains out over this shit. This is the part that drives me nuts. You're going to tell me that she's an, a raw superstar on NXT, right? Yep. Well, no, she's not. She's not. She's on NXT because she's a champion. So every time she shows up on Raw, does that mean she's burning four? No, 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 no. She is, a, she is a raw superstar, but she's the NXT champion. But I she, just, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's... That was the problem with having her be the one to go to SmackDown. I think a big part of it is just, like, Fox has always had a thing for her, and her not being on their show, I think, pisses them off. So, obviously, she was the first one that they wanted, but it's just, like, it's tough. And I think part of it is that, obviously, losing Becky last week, like, they WWE, like, corporate feels a void in, like, superstar power, and they're like, well, our biggest face is Charlotte, so we got to put her everywhere to kind of make up for this loss of Becky, but, like, Honestly, that's the opposite approach of what they should be doing. Like, this is your opportunity now when you have a void is to create new stars. Like, you have, like, a lot of very talented women on this roster that people want to get behind. Like, why is Lacey Evans not having a chance to shine now? Or on Raw, like, obviously Asuka is taking the ball and run with it. But, like, you can continue to elevate Liv and Shayna and these other women who have had decent showings. Like, try to get them to the next level now. But... They just can't get out of their own way with just like, oh, the, the, the only way to plug the hole is to take the same thing we've been using to plug the hole the whole time. It's like, it doesn't work, man. It's, they're, they're going the opposite of the way they should right now. You know, it's funny that you mentioned plugging holes because now when I see <laughs> Charlotte, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think butt plugs. That's all I'm going to think about. All she's there for is to plug holes. Yeah. There you go, JC. There you go. She's a hole plugger. She is. Butt plugs. Yep. She stops the bleeding, but she doesn't fix it. How about that? True. Um, should we stay in the women's division and talk about uh, the Iconics versus Bliss Cross for the Women's Tag Team Championships? 
You blew it. What I blow? That, I oh mean, yes. I I can't. This is the problem with us not being here. Like, if we were like in front of each other, you could have actually literally slapped me, and then I would have understood yeah. it. Yeah, I would have slapped you <laughs> just, out of, just out of the fact that you didn't hear me say you blew it. But look, I was excited that they got upset over a DQ for once. Like that was cool. That's about it, though. That, but like, okay, like they took the it seriously. Like that's something. The match was whatever it is, what it is. I like the aggressive style of the Iconics, but I was kind of like, oh god, they better not break up the Iconics. Yeah, like you know, what? Like, whoof! That would be that. Like that was the thing that I saw that, and I was like, okay, like you're teasing dissension, but breaking them up, like, what are you doing? You already don't have a women's tag team division. They're like your legitimate, like real OG team. You can hang your hat on. Like they make everyone better. They're incredibly entertaining. Like what Otis is to SmackDown in terms of entertainment, like they can be for raw if given the opportunities because they have that like hokiness. Like that is just, it's like likable hokiness that you enjoy. But man, like I, that's why I was just thrown for a loop with this. Like, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, again, I was excited that they, you know, they had the DQ thing. And again, not that I'm excited for a DQ, but I was excited that they had a backstage segment that something actually transpired because of a DQ. Yes. Because they never, they just blow their load on the DQ all the time. And then it's just the end of it. And it's just like, oh, we can't have a definitive ending uh, DQ. So, you know, whatever. But this one, at least I was like, okay, there's some meat on the bone here. She slapped her. She's upset. And like they hugged and like, you know, that's fine. I can deal with it. But. They better make something out of this. Like maybe they, maybe they make a moment of bliss, a moment, you know, an iconic moment or something. And they are the ones with their own talk show and they make fun of people like do that. I'd be okay with it. That way you keep the storytelling going without actually having the wrestling. Cause if we get to a point where Peyton Royce is taking on Nikki Cross and then next week at bliss is taking on Billy and vice versa for the next four weeks, I'm going to, I'm going to sit there and fast forward things. I shouldn't have to fast forward. Yeah, no, and the, the, like honestly, I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's a big reason why I've been so adamant for this Street Profits Viking Raiders thing. It's like because if they weren't doing those segments, we'd be getting what you just mentioned, our single matches in the tag division. So I think that I don't think necessarily they need to go crazy with segments for them, but like they need to find a ways to make this feud move forward without it just being redundant shit like that. Mm, redundant shit like that. Speaking of redundant shit like that, uh, Dana beat Naomi again um, because jobber alert. It was we're burying Naomi, man. What is going on here? She's she's literally locked up in a new so penitentiary. Like she is, <laughs> she is not. She might as well be waiting for her husband or who or her brother in law to not be injured before she can do anything. I don't know why they why they correlate the two. Maybe there maybe there is no correlation. Just bad timing and a coincidence. But it feels like. It is. It feels like she will not be able to get out of the gate. Do she you is, think they're going to turn her heel the way they're doing this? Like, what? Because she kind of like she didn't go full bone Natalia like on Raw, but she, like she was clearly upset. Like, do you think they could finally take a turn? I don't think she's ever been a heel. I mean, she was a team bad with Sasha yes, okay, and okay. for like a half a second, but it wasn't like she was. She's not good at it. She's got a beautiful smile. She's got an athletic personality. There's nothing to hate about it. You know what I mean? Like. She comes out and she does her rump shake, and I mean, like, why can't you can't hate that? Like, there's no, there's literally nothing about the woman you can hate. So why turn her heel? Like, unless she's going to start being like, you know, completely change her look, then maybe. Yeah, I don't think that glow entrance would work as a heel, and that's kind of like her bread and butter. So yeah, that's why it was another thing where I'm looking at. I'm like, okay, I I understand you're giving Dana a lot of fluke injuries. I don't think you're going to go anywhere with it because I don't think she's beating Bailey. But like. 
I just, I, it's, it's int- like the same thing. Like we, I think we can talk about it here too. Is like, yeah, Baszler beats Natalia in a submission match. That was two seconds. And Natty throws a temper tantrum. It's like, okay, are you going to turn Natty heel? But if you look at raw, like you already have Baszler and Nia as the top two heel uh, females on the wom- on the roster. It's like, are you like, the only thing I could think of is like, are you turning Natty heel just to like restart her feud with Liv? Like, like, I don't understand like this randomness, but like some of these women, like character wise, like, what are we doing here? They are feeding so many people to Oscar. I bet. I mean, Nia Jackson's gonna just take it right on the chin from Oscar. So they probably think Natty. Do you needs think to be the that though? One. I could see I Nia just ending it. No, I, I think I, I honestly think, in all in all seriousness, I think that they looked at Oscar and went, "Well, you know, why not?" And then because like Nia to me, like as much as I like Nia, I don't think that Nia can really carry a fucking division like an Oscar could. Agree. So I don't. I don't see her. I mean, I, I see like we we see. You can see Nia as that bad boss, but I just there's something about her that just feels like she's missing something. It's almost like she shouldn't be so sassy, considering what she could be. I don't want the sass. You know what I mean? Like I just wanted to. Well, I don't want her to scream at my television like she did that one time. But maybe I just want her to be angry all the time. I just don't like this whole, like, I'm going to beat you mentality kind of thing and, like, be, like, a sassy person that's, like, a mean girl. But I don't think it fits her character well. I really don't. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, it's a lot of – they're obviously in transition with this division, um, losing Becky just across the board. But, like, I'm just – I'm kind of thrown for a loop right now with a lot of this stuff because, uh, obviously, Liv had that promo, too, where – you know, it's obviously I know what they're going for as a viewer of Total Divas. They did a really good job of getting into her relationship with her mom and her upbringing. And it actually, like, came off really well and, like, made you really, like, you know, want to invest in Liv. But, like, if you didn't know that story and you saw that weird promo on Raw, I don't think you're getting that same feeling. I also have not seen that. So it did come off really weird. Yeah. And I thought it was, like, all I got out of it was I got it from my mama. You know, like, yeah. that's really all I thought about. And it didn't make any sense to me. Um, it fell on deaf ears. Yeah, it was. It, it was not well done, and that's why for me, it's just she had so much momentum. That's why I'm like, how did? So if you're someone backstage and you're putting this together, like, how do you think this is helping her? Like, because she does, doesn't really need a lot right now because we're all behind her. We're enjoying what we're doing. If like this just seemed like a detriment of like we don't know what we're doing right now, so let's just try to do a promo and make try to make her like even more of a baby face. It's like, well, she already is a baby face for us. Like you can do this. It's the same thing with Lacey. It's kind of like threw it out there. It's like you got to kind of develop this stuff, and I don't understand why they're not putting a little more effort into some of this stuff when they have time. Yeah, I mean, I, and they put her in that weird background with like you know, it just it. I know what they were trying to do, but it just it really just came off really poorly, and it, it just. It sucks because she has like a little bit of momentum, and I feel like this may have stopped her for a little bit. Yeah, I don't have uh, much else here. Do you have any other uh, quick heats or anything to get through? Not many job alerts this week either. None, not really. I mean, besides Naomi, I mean that was really much it. I mean, we, she she's she's on her way out, or probably you know way to catering. Who knows? Where was Leon Maybe Ruff this week? Leon Ruff got a week off. I think the no 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 don't bury the lead, JC. The Vink. Got a week yeah, off. I mean, uh, the reports okay. came out that he's the next Braun Strowman. He gets a week off. Like, man, what's going on here? I don't know, but I, if Vink can roar an Australian thing like, or have a didgeridoo <laughs> before his fucking, I will, I will drop that and, and claim him as a Nestle guy right away. If there's a didgeridoo at the beginning of this fucking thing, like I would, <laughs> I would lose my shit because it's so unnecessary. But it would be so fucking funny to how fucking just vanilla he is. He is. He is beyond white taste. 
Like he is he is toast personified. That's what he is. Give me oh. the vink. Give me the vink all day long. I love it. I love it. Well, WWE certainly has a lot of hope put into the vink. We like to do hopes on this program. So let's get there right now. Glorious, you are my only hope. Would you like me to go or would you like to kick us off, Mr. Nestlemania? I have a very simple hope. Let's hear we it. Live in an age, we live in an age right now where we don't have a crowd. We don't have to worry about any type of crowd booing or yang, any type of decisions WWE makes. So WWE, plain and simple, I want you to take a chance at Backlash and give Bobby Lashley the WWE What? Yes. Yes. That is my hope. Because, look, Bobby Lashley's been pretty much floundering since he's come back. He had that bright spot in a little bit, and then nothing. But there is something about Drew McIntyre doing whatever the hell he's doing here with no crowd. I feel like it's time, especially if we're not going to have a crowd for a while, like a, a like a substantial crowd to make a you got it, like congratulations kind of thing. Let's go with Bobby Lashley. Like Drew McIntyre can win it before we go back to a full crowd so the crowd will give him the response. But having Bobby Lashley as a champion elevates him and hopefully, God damn it, before the end of all this, before the end of everything, we are going to get Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. And the only way to do that is to elevate Brock Lesnar to 2.0, Bobby Lashley, to get him a championship. And I want it to happen at Backlash. Wow. I am surprised by that because I agree. Like, the way they've been uh, building Lashley, I was like, this could be a good feud for Drew down the line. I just didn't expect it now. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. My hope actually is going to be for the other championship on the blue brand. And uh, this one's a little more laid out. I was on one of my walks, uh, checking the thread, talking with our boys. And, you know, I was like, how does Otis become champion without like, like, is there a way to actually do it? And you know what? I think I had it. The beginning, I think, is the one part that I think would need to flesh out the most. But the way I have it now is um, if we're looking at the SmackDown, like, you know, King Corbin, we thought maybe could be an opponent for Braun, but it doesn't look like that. Um, I think The Fiend, like, eventually um, is obviously going to be a match. Who knows? Maybe they do it at Backlash. But in my scenario, they don't. In my scenario, The Fiend's not even... He's not even, doesn't even exist. We forget about him. He's just gone. So Braun kind of doesn't have a match. And as we're getting closer, like, you know, they do their thing the next couple weeks where like Otis maybe thinking about it, whatever. But I think eventually he just goes and, uh, I don't know, maybe Braun has a match or something. And Otis says, hey, Braun, Braun, I'm going to challenge you for that championship after. Just whatever. Just, you know, because he's a baby face. That's how baby faces seem to cash in. It's not the best thing in the world. But nonetheless, we get there. And uh, during the match uh, between Otis and Braun, which... I'm sure will be a treat. Uh, Otis accidentally takes out the ref. And the ref tumbles to the outside. And so Otis, like, oh, being like the concerned baby face, has to go run out to check on him. But as he does that, the lights go out. And just remember, we have not heard or seen from Bray Wyatt since his loss at Money in the Bank. When the lights come on, Otis is, like, kind of looking around, but he's still trying to wake up the ref. But the Fiend is in the rain, and Mandible claws Braun down and pretty much takes him out. Lights go out, come back on, the fiend is gone. Otis uh, enters the ring, very confused. The ref also is coming to, comes in the ring. Otis hits the worm, and that is how he wins the Universal Championship. So going forward now, obviously you had the fiend who cost Braun, but it's also Otis taking advantage of Braun while he was down. I think it sets up quite a few little possibilities here between these three men. I think it would be interesting, and I don't see many ways for uh, Otis to beat Braun besides a scenario like this. So hashtag JC knows, hashtag JC's hopes come true. 
I, I, I can see that happening. I can envision it happening. It's just I can't get the, the, the visual of Otis with a championship. <laughs> the championship. The universal championship. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you know when they tell you to visualize something and to make it happen? Yeah. I can't visualize it. I cannot for the life of me visualize this happening. I can't either, but this is the only, I was trying to go through scenarios and I'm like, it'd have to be something like this for them to do it for me to actually be like, okay, I can get into that because it just like, I think it brings everything full circle and obviously then could set up Braun and uh, Bray, not for the title, maybe for a while, but like it also could bring them back to the title. I just, but yeah, like the actual visual of him holding it up, honestly, like the way that they're going with him and uh, just watching on Friday, like watching, I was like, I really am invested in this man. Like I haven't been this invested in a true baby face in forever. Cause I'm like the hipster heel lover. Usually like Corbin's like my favorite. Like that's always a big Miz guy. Like Cody Rhodes, when he was in the heel, like he was one of my favorites, but like I never usually like pick like a baby face as a guy that I'm really going for. And like, for some reason with him, man, it's just something about him. Like I want him to get everything. He already has a lot of things, but I want him to get even more. I think the world's going to come crashing down and Otis is going to end up really having, like being on a binge again. Well, yeah, I, I, really think, I, think, I think he is a flash in the pan, but I think it has the potential to be an incredible, memorable flash in the pan that will be a really fun ride and a lot of positivity I think we need right now, especially in wrestling. Like They have found a way for that man who, when I saw him at NXT, like laughed at him and thought he was a joke to captivate me more than anyone has in a long time. And that, like the fact that they've made it this far, I think is incredible. Yeah, when you said flash in the pan, it made me think of him eating food too. So, <laughs> nope, still can't, still can't do it. Still can't do it. Just imagine him holding right. a chicken leg and the Universal Championship. But which hand and what leg? Ah, there you go. You got That's for you to decide. Eh, eh. Oh well. All right, my comeback this week goes to Mister Buddy Murphy for pulling double duty, but more importantly, having super hot fire ring gear that. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It looked like stainless, uh, you know, church glass. Loved it. Had the disciple written on his pants. Had a great showing against, you know, shimmy, shimmy, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, with the distraction outside by Seth Rollins, has a, has a big W. Of course, he had to have W at least one of these times. You couldn't go out and have an 0 for 2. Uh, but he comes out later and, you know, faces black. Of course, you know, we've seen this a bunch of times. It's not very bad at all. But, you know, it's a non-finish. Surprise, surprise. But, uh, you know, I think uh, the thing that took away from that second part was that Buddy Murphy was kind of sitting there going, like, the fuck? Like, he was like, dude, I'm the disciple. Nobody else is a disciple. Now you got the 22-year-old, you know, schmuck sitting here. So it's going to have a little bit of dissension and, you know, going back and forth with it. And Buddy Murphy's got a lot of upside when I look at him. So I was very excited about it when I saw him, you know, maybe he can get that potential babyface push that he deserves later down the line against Seth Rollins and really, really captivate us in a way that maybe makes him you know, maybe a future United States or a continental champion. Yeah, no, I liked it. And uh, my comeback is actually going to also go to a disciple-type character, and that is the one, the only, Kyrie Sane. I thought she lit up my television on Raw this week uh, with her intro to Asuka. I really enjoyed it. And then with the freaking recorder. <laughs> it was so bad, but it was so good. I just, like, she's one of those people you put out there, and I think she just maximizes her minutes in terms of whatever she's asked to do. I think she goes over the top with it, and I think it could be really fun with her as a sidekick to Asuka. I think, unfortunately, like we saw backstage, she takes a beating uh, from Naya, and that's kind of like her role is to kind of just be like the pin you got to knock down to get to Asuka. It's not a very hard pin, but it's there. But I just think the mix of, like, comic relief and, like, entertainment value that she brings, along with, obviously, her incredible in 
rain ability. Um, I thought she shined this week, and that's why she gets my comeback. I loved it. I loved the Oscar party. I thought it was going to be Oscar. This is your life. And then <laughs> those balloons, by the way, those are the coolest looking balloons I'd ever seen with like the big balloon on top. Yep. It just it just looked it looked like very festive. I was very excited that they went out of their way for it. So kudos to them for actually you know doing a little bit of the production on that one. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you know what? Speaking of production, we got to get to the big finish. One, two, three, blah, blah, blah. Jobberknocker.com. That's the website where you can find uh, all our weekly articles. NXT and AEW running hot right now. NXT UK and NWA Power as well. Um, TJ, our boy, has been very busy uh, throughout this quarantine writing for us. So we appreciate that. This week he put out an article about Becky Lynch uh, becoming a mom. I suggest you read it. It is very good stuff. So uh, when you're checking out his NXT article, make sure you click over to that as well uh give us five stars five flames on itunes anchor god damn it google play uh stitcher spotify uh archived on youtube we appreciate it uh twitter at jobber at nestlemania at jc of the jk at dq of the jk at ray ray of the jk at billy d 2411 at joe pollock 47 at tj of the jk at the real deal b cox facebook jobber instagram jobber because we are everywhere you want to be on social media mr nestlemania jesus that was quick that's what she said. Um, speaking of quick, should we do a lightning round here for the stuff for next week? Let's go for it. So on SmackDown, we have two intercontinental title uh, tournament matchups. AJ Styles versus Nakamura. Who you got? AJ Styles, duh. I'm going to take Nakamura in an upset. I think that's, uh, I don't know why, but I think they might save the rest of Styles. Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. Sheamus. Yeah, give me Sheamus as well. We got to go with the fella. I want him to win. Uh, Bailey versus Charlotte. Come on. Yeah, that's uh, the pointless. Otis and Mandy versus Dolph and Sonya. I really want Dolph and Sonya, but I feel... Well, no, you know what? I'm going to stick with Dolph and Sonya. Yeah, I think they need it more. I think Sonya will pin Mandy after some sort of distraction or schmods. Uh, last up, we go actually go over to Raw with a championship match for the United States title. Is it finally Apollo Crews time against an Andrade? It has to be, right? If it's not, then I mean... The, the, then what was the, the point? Sailed. Yep. The I think it's sailed. time. Give it to him, baby. May, his, his ascent may be a mid-card title, but I think he deserves it, and uh, I'm curious to see what they can do with it. I, if he doesn't do it now, might as well future endeavor is asked. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yep. Okay. End of story. That's your Apollo, boy, too. Apollo 11. Apollo 12, Apollo 13. How many times is this guy going to have a fucking chance? <laughs> going to fucking explode into the fucking stardust. Ooh, stardust. Androgynous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of running with something. Orange. Yeah, I, I, I'm out of stuff, so take us home. All right, folks. We will be back next week with more Jobber Knockery. <laughs>